Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Tommy. Uh, I'm on staff here. I get the awesome opportunity of kicking off this conversation. That video was really fun to shoot. We shot it in this room. If you know those like, little toys where you like, push things, or like, people, somehow that always ends up going on someone's face, and you see the nose point through. We had really fun. It was like three hours of shooting for 30 seconds of video. <laughs> That's my job. Um, hey, no, it was actually fun. It was done with the team, and we had a blast doing it. Um, if it is your first time here, as Tony said, welcome. We are pumped. We are jazzed. We are glad that you would take time out on this not sunny Sunday morning with us when it's raining outside, that you could come in this place and be a part of it. And actually, this is a great week to be here because we're kicking off a new conversation, a new series this week where we're going to be looking at this whole um, idea of all out, all in over the next four weeks. And so coming this week is like almost the perfect week because you're not missing anything beforehand. You get to start from the beginning with us. So we're excited about this. Um, again, jazz that you're here. And, and as we get started, I want to ask this question. Have you ever had something that when a person asks you, hey, do you know about this? You're like, yeah, I know that. And then you start talking about it, and then you're like, I have no idea what that is. Let me go this way. Maybe it's a, a budget. Maybe it's, it's a budget. Have you ever had a, you start like, a budget, yeah, I can make that. I know how to do that. And then you start going, and you're like, wow, this is a whole lot harder to keep than I thought. What do you mean I can go to Chipotle? Never. You start to realize really quick that this budget, the deeper you go, you're like, wow, this is a whole lot more complicated than I thought. Or maybe it was uh, owning a home. You buy your first house, and you're like, yes, we bought our house. You're like, wow, this is a lot of paperwork. Did I just sign away my, my, my soul? What, just, what did I just sign? And then you're like, my refrigerator's broken. Where's the land? Oh, I'm the landlord. Oh, that means I got to pay for it. You start to get into it and realize, wow, it's a lot deeper than you think, or you don't know much about it as you think. Uh, when I was in high school... Um, my senior year, I took AP European history, and I clearly remember a test where I was looking at it, and I, it was like, I had to fill in, who is Alexander the Great? And I'm like, I don't remember talking about Alexander the Great. I thought I knew this test. I actually had a girl, when I said this last night, this little, like, 12-year-old girl's like, I know, I know, and I'm like, wow, I feel smart. Um, she said, and it was like, I realized going into that test, man, I thought I knew what was going on, and if it wasn't for the curve, I'd probably still be a senior in high school today. We start, there's all sorts of things, I think, in life that when we first talk about it, we know about it. Or we're like, yeah, I know what that's about. But as we start to peel back the layers, we're like, wow, this is more complicated than I thought. Or wow, this is, there's, wow, there's depth to this that I didn't realize was there. And I think there's one word in particular that all of us in the room, if we really stop to think about it, we go that way. And it's this word, worship. It's this word, worship, because I think at, at first glance, we're like, yeah, I know what that's about. And then someone will be like, hey, okay, so talk to me about it. And we're like, <laughs> or, um, um, and here's why. I think all of us, we come with different assumptions to the table. We bring different ideas with us of what we think worship is. For some of us in the room, we get the idea of the pumping music, the loud thumping, Seth wailing away on guitar, or there's a certain positive radio station that comes to mind, or it's a specific, specific kind of music that we're like, yeah, that's the worship I grew up with. So that's the assumption. So when I talk about worship, we start talking about the band, the song, the whatever. And for some of us in the room, we're like, yeah, I'll be honest, like, I'm at Grace Church, I like it, but that's not my thing, that's not what I grew up with. When we hear the word worship, we think of the cathedral. The, the specific, very, very ordered, structured service, the, why did I just stand up and sit down, or the hymnal, or the choir, or the robes, and we bring to the conversation different assumptions that sometimes we don't realize that we have until we start talking about it. We start to realize real quick that, man, this worship thing, man, there might be more to it than simple music, and I think that while these are a form of worship, 
this is just a one little piece of it. The music and what we do on the weekend is one little piece because I think at different phases of our life, we're all worshiping not just what happens on Sundays. We have stuff during the week we worship. Let me give you some examples. Um, you may not use the word worship, you may use fanatic. One of my good friends, uh, J-Mac from high school, or Jason, was obsessed with motorcycles. Absolutely obsessed. He was a fanatic, a devotee. Like he was all in about his bike to the fact where we had a soccer practice one day where it was snowing and he showed up in his bike and a cutoff going, dude, this is awesome. And we're like, you're an idiot. Like that was what was going through our head and he was all about the bicycle. Or maybe like different part of it. Maybe I could give, I, I think I can sum up that for some of us we may worship something else and I'm gonna do it in two letters, O-H. We all worship something. <laughs> or I, had, I said this last night and I'm spoiler alert if you watch the game, I said O-H and someone said, not today. <laughs> um, we, have, we all are worshiping. For those of us that are like my Buckeye fans, we can get so obsessed with it that we live for Saturday. In fact, the reason we come to church on Sunday and not Saturday is because the Buckeyes played yesterday. Like, we've become so obsessed with Buckeyes that if they win, we're having a great week. Or like this week, it's not going to be such a good week. We, all of our emotions, all that we have, our thought process, all we, we get, we might not talk about much, but the second Buckeye football gets talked about, we're like, yeah, I'm all in on that conversation. Our thoughts, our emotions, all that we are gets poured out in that. Or maybe for you it's not sports. You're like, man, I'm not into that sports thing. That might be your thing. Um, maybe it's the picture of the perfect family. Yes, that's my family. <laughs> uh, that's my wife, Sarah, um, and that's our kids. That's Hazel, a two-year-old on the left, and uh, Layla, who's now four months. She's a little bit bigger. We, for some of us, we get obsessed with trying to become the perfect family. All of our thoughts, emotions, we desire that so much. Or maybe it's we want to have the family. And so all that we do gets focused in on that, that it uh, takes all of our energy. Now, I'll be very honest. This was a posed picture. Like, we posed this. This is not how my family is normally. In fact, this is probably a better picture of what my family is like. <laughs> and if you notice, that's my two-year-old picking her butt. I don't know if I can say that in church, but I did. And that is us laughing at her behind us. This is a very normal occurrence in our house, us laughing at our two-year-old. Almost oh, My wife is back there going, yep, that's exactly what's going on. We, we can very quickly go to the point where we put all of our energy and our thoughts into trying to be the perfect family or all of our emotions get centered in and we've got to do it all right. And maybe it's not the family, maybe it's finances. You start digging deeper and go like, man, I'm after the perfect job, the right job, or I want a job, or I want the financial security, and that becomes the lens and everything that you have gets poured into making sure that happens. And what I'm trying to say in all this is, like, none of these things are bad. I hope my family's not bad. Like, none of these things are bad. But I think when they become the ultimate thing, the thing that we chase after above everything else, I think it can distort what God intended. Because here's the bottom line. We all worship something. We all worship something. Whether it's Christ, whether it's the motorcycle, whether it's the house, the spouse, I mean, you fill in the blank. We all worship something. We chase after that one thing harder and it influences how we view everything else in the world. It impacts why, the what, the how, all of it gets impacted because we worship this thing. And so what we're gonna do in this series over the next four weeks, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at a definition of what worship is, we're gonna see what scripture has to say about it, and then today, specifically, we're going to look at some ways that we distort that definition. So we're going to define worship, we're going to look at what Scripture has to say about it, and we're going to look at the distortion. And this is how we define it for this series. We're going to define worship as being all out, all in. Worship is all out, all in. 
And I think this is a definition you could look at and go, yeah, I get it. And then you start to go, no, I don't really get it. You start to dig deeper and realize that when we really start to unpack this definition, when we start to really peel away the layers, there's a depth that if we really truly follow this, it can change the way we view everything. So what we're going to do, we're going to look, and I think this comes from Scripture. I'm not just, we're not just making this up. Like, this comes from, and we're going to be looking at Romans 12. So if you have your Bible or your smartphone or your tablet, if you want to pull that out right now and open up, we're going to be in Romans 12. If you do not own a Bible, in front of you in the chair, in the, in the grates, you should see a black Bible. Feel free to grab that in that Bible. We're on page 789. Um, if you don't own one or you don't have one, take that home with you. Um, consider our gift to you. We think that it's a really good thing that everybody has a copy of God's word. And so as we airdrop in the middle of Romans, I want to just kind of give you a background about what's going on. So because we're, we're, right, we're landing like in the middle towards the end of the book. So what's going on? So it's written by a guy named Paul. Um, Paul was this guy who had a crazy life transformation. He started off um, as a guy who was flying up the ranks in the Jewish church, he was going way up. And he viewed God, the way he worshiped God, was by killing those that disagreed with his view. Sounds a little extreme, but that's what he did. And so he killed Christ followers, um, Christ disciples. He was killing them because he did not think Jesus was the way. Um, on, his, on, on the road one day to go kill more Christians, kill more churches, he had an interaction with Jesus Christ where Jesus physically showed up and he, Paul realized real quick, wow, this Jesus thing is for real. He had a complete transformation of his life, and he went from killing Christians in the church to all of a sudden planting churches and teaching people how to plant them. If that's not a 180, I don't know what is. And so his system of church planters actually helped plant this church in Rome. So they helped plant it, and he's writing a letter to the Roman church, and in this Roman church, you have a hodgepodge group of people, Jews and Gentiles, who are having this big disagreement on what worship is, how they should worship and how, what worship is and how they should worship. So we land right here at the, kind of the pinnacle of the letter where he's about to drop the truth bomb of what worship is. So if we're gonna talk about a worship series and Paul has a truth bomb about worship, it makes sense, so let's talk about it. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna read through the first two verses. So let me read them as we go. If you wanna follow along or you can see it on the screen as well. It's this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you may have read that or as you were reading, like, okay, I saw the word worship, it makes sense, but all out wasn't there, all in wasn't there, where are you getting that? Well, I think in each of the verses, you can easily pull out pieces where it's like, yes, this is, if, Paul were to, if we were to say to Paul, hey, is all out, all in, what you're trying to say, he'd be go, yes. And so what do we mean by that? What is all out and what is all in? So all out, when we try to define what it is and we lay a foundation so we understand what we're talking about, all out is this. It's the behaviors, our actions, and our habits. To be all out is, to, like, is the, what is the stuff the body does. All out is the things my hands and feet do, the behaviors, the motivations, the actions. It's the do part, the what we physically do, the what people see, the, the actions in this all-out piece, where do we see that? Well, you see it pretty quickly in verse 1 when, you, when he says to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, he says to physically do with your body to be a living sacrifice. Now, maybe I just have Halloween my head my head because we took my daughter trick-or-treating, and when I saw us, I was like, it's just like the walking dead. Like, is that what he's telling me to do? He wants us to be walking zombies. 
No, he's not saying be a walking zombie. What he's saying here is like almost to say, offer your body as a living representative of me. Or offer your body as a living representative of what God's best is. Look, I know not everyone in this room is a Christ follower. Um, Some of you here investigating who Jesus is, and I'm pumped that you're here. I'm glad that you would come and investigate with us. Um, But what he's specifically talking to, he's talking to Christ followers. He's saying, look, you want your all out of worship, what you physically do, your habits, let it be a representation of who I am. Sacrifice for me. Another way to say sacrifice, we'll use this word when we're talking about sacrificing for our family or sacrificing for our job or sacrifice to get the car. Um, my two-year-old, she's, you will hear her before you see her. Like she is rambunctious, she's loud, she's, it's a blast. And she loves to play outside. And as today, as it starts to rain right now, you can, you can tell like it's cold, so like she needs a jacket. As her dad, I could very easily look at her and say, hey, go get a job. Go make some money, buy your own jacket, and while you're bad, you should pay for rent for the room that I'm living you in. Now, if she was like 42, that's a different conversation. She's two. So if I said that to her, I would not be sacrificing. Instead, my wife and I, we pool our resources to sacrifice the money we've made to do something for her best, to give her a jacket, to give her food, give her a place to stay so she can grow. And what God's saying is like, I want you to sacrifice, give up of your own stuff and what you do for my best. And he continues to go on and say, those things that we do are pleasing to God and holy. Now, the pleasing to God, I think we can kind of get. We do the right things, God's happy about it. Okay, understand that. But what is this holy thing? Tommy, I don't get it. I came to church and you're talking about worship and holy. Those sound like churchy things to me. And I think when we back up and look at what he's trying to say, this word holy, like you may hear it in songs that we sing, you may hear it in different parts that we, we talk about, the word holy just means to be set apart or to stand out or to be different. Um, it's like when you're walking by like K Jewelers and that one ring is above the rest, just stands out. There's a bunch of rings there, but that one ring is the one that pops. This idea of this one is set apart above the rest in a, in a way that it catches your eye. And, and he says to be holy, and this is holy and pleasing to God, so in our actions, what we do, it should stand out. Not as a way of like, look at how bad the world is or look at how bad everyone else is, but stand out to please God so you can show God's love to other people. This is your true and proper worship. So in what we sacrifice, in what we do for the all-out peace, he's saying, do it as a representative of what God's best is so that others can see his love. So if the all-out is the habits, it's the outward what we do, what is the all-in? What is the all-in? If that's one piece, I think the all-in is this. It's the motivation, the hearts, or the beliefs. The all-in is the motivations, the hearts, or the beliefs, or the stuff that goes on in the mind, or the why behind what we do, or when we say, oh, this person does that, that must mean they are. Oh, this person roots for Ohio State, they must be a Buckeye fan. Like, when we start, to, it's, it's the why behind what we do. And so I think the hard part is, like, how do we transform our all-in so that our all-out is a true representation of showing on what's going on on the inside. If this is the hearts, how do we transform our heart so that our all-out is a true sacrifice, as talked about in verse 1? Well, I think we see this in verse 2 in Romans pretty quickly, where he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed. And what is this conform and transform? What he's not saying is, like, when he's talking about this conform, he's saying almost to the point of, like, When you conform, like, don't let others, people who don't believe in God, tell you how you should think about God. 
Don't let others who don't believe in him tell me how you should think about him. Let me do that. Don't conform to their thought. Don't conform to the way they are. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let your mind be transformed by the way I influence you. Um, another way to say it, we moved to Ohio when I was like six years old. Um, we moved from Wisconsin, and so I'm an avid Green Bay Packers team, Packers fan. Um, there's a reason there's a G on the helmet. It stands for God's team, just so you all know that. If you get one takeaway, that's what you should get from today. Um, but when we moved to Ohio, I learned really quick that most people in Ohio don't care about the Packers. could care less. And so I started to look around, and I love the game of football. I love watching it. And I realized real quick that the state of Ohio likes this little team in Columbus called the Buckeyes. I'm all about Buckeye metaphors today for some reason. The loss just must be on my mind. Um, that liked, liked the Buckeyes. And something happened in 2002 where the Buckeyes won the national championship. And so I made the decision right then, right there, that I'm going to be a Buckeye fan. I'm going to go all, I'm like, this is what my friends do, and I want to be with, I'm going to be a Buckeye fan. So that started to inform me. I really quick learned that I can no longer like Michigan football that I have to hate Michigan football. In fact, it's no longer Michigan football, it's the team up north, and we don't talk about the team up north because to say the word Michigan is the wrong thing to say. Or Alabama football, Nick Saban, who? Like those types of things, I began to become transformed in a way where my friends told me what I should think about all other teams. I began to wear scarlet and gray. Maize and blue didn't exist in my wardrobe. Like I made sure that Michigan, like, all that I was was transformed, and I began to not conform to the way every other football fan was. It was an Ohio State fan. When I chose to become a Christ follower, what God is saying is, be transformed by the way I want you to be transformed. Start seeing people the way you, that I want you to see them. Not as the annoying neighbor, but as, man, that's the guy that God loves, so I want to love. Start being transformed to see God the way he sees it, as a perfect, holy God. And he start, when you start to really figure out, like what he's saying is, let your heart be molded by my heart. Let all that's inside of your motivations, let them become my motivations so it changes what you do on the outside. And he says, how do you do this? By the renewing of your mind. By the renewing. When I hear the word renew, I think of the library, having to go through and scan. And it's not that kind of thing of like checking it out again. It's this idea of almost like to make fresh or to reboot or the new iPhone came out this week. A new operating system. Like that, this idea of implanting a brand new thing that starts over so the way you think, though your motivations are set brand new so you're all in is reset to be in line with what God's all in is. And so it's to basically to take these glasses. When I became an Ohio State fan, my vision was renewed. It was made new. I began to see the world differently as an Ohio State fan should be. When I became a Christian, when I became a Christ follower, we should be putting on our glasses and seeing people, seeing the world the way God wants to. So it transforms or it renews or it makes afresh. It forces us to see people differently. And I think with this all out, all in, when it gets down to where it's supposed to be, this all out and all in, they're supposed to work together. They're supposed to be working in tandem where our all out, our behaviors help transform what our motivations are or give clue to what our motivations are and our heart then should be expressed in what we do. If I say I love my wife but then only talk to her for one hour a week, am I really showing her in my all out that I love her? It's, it's, you got these two things have to work together and Paul would say the all in is the foundation, your heart is your foundation on which the all out should sit. They, they work together so when in true and proper worship, 
your heart, your motivation, your affections, they're 100% shown and they work together through our behaviors, actions, and habits so that together it's true and proper worship. I think the problem is we can distort this pretty quickly. We can split the two. We can split them into separate things. We, we can tend to be almost like a pendulum. We can swing really hard, maybe be, I'm really good at the all out, but the all in, that heart stuff, eh, it's not really there. Or the heart piece is there, I'm all in, I love God, but man, that love people part, eh. And it's like a pendulum. There are days where we may be really far swinging hard towards the all out and days when we can swing towards the all in. And what Paul is trying to say is here, look, true and proper worship is both of these things coming together in one and we're all out and all in are working together to create what true and proper worship is. And so uh, let, me, let me try to explain this a little bit better. Um, the human body. When we talk about the human body, you talk about it as a full being, you kind of have two parts. You've got the body or the all out, the stuff we do, the stuff with our hands and our feet, um, the actions, behaviors. And then you've got the head, the all in, the brain behind it. Um, the what's going on. And I think when the body's working correctly, the all out and the all in, they're working as one. When the body's doing it, the, the head and the body are connected. Like we can all agree that when the head and the body are connected, it's the way it's supposed to be. And, but I think with all out, all in, it's kind of the same idea is when, when they're working together, it's what it's supposed to be. But we can break this apart. Maybe Halloween's out of my mind and I've just seen lots of crazy things. So I just decapitated a guy on stage right now. Um, like you, 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 when you see, like you see, we can quickly split the two and we can overemphasize one over the other to the point where we are distorting what true and proper worship is or not worshiping God the way that he wants to, not his best. So what does this look like? So maybe it's a person who is way more all out than they are all in or as I like to call it, the do, do, do person. Yes, I know what I just said. Um, like, or it's the person who is, they're all about doing the right thing but their heart's not there. Their, their behaviors are showing that they love a certain thing, but on the inside, they really could care less. Um, got married a little over six years ago, my wife and I. It was on September 24th. I remember the day, babe. Um, it was on September 24th, and there's a lot of great memories I have from that day. Um, seeing my bride walk down the aisle in her dress, that was a great memory. Um, my dad officiated the wedding. That was a really special privilege for us. And um, even like, I'll be honest, one of the greatest memories from that day is when my dad looked at us and said, you may now kiss your bride. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um, but like one of the memories that stands out from the day amongst a bunch of them was this uh, mother-son dance. My mom and I got to dance together. Um, she's actually here today. Um, it was really kind of one of those memories that was like really fun. It was kind of so We had one of those special dances where in the middle we like jumped into another song and we were the nerds that choreographed it the week before, like one of those types of people. And it was, it was a blast. I don't really remember the songs we danced to, honestly. I just remember it was fun. Um, the rest of the wedding went great. The day was awesome. Sarah and I went to Jamaica. I'm sorry, I just said Jamaica in this weather, but that's where we went for seven days. It was great. We were on the beach. It was fantastic. Um, and one of the decisions we made while we were there was to turn off our cell phone, have no connection, didn't bring a laptop, nothing. We wanted no connection. We wanted to start our marriage off with just the two of us. So when we came back to the States seven days later, we turned on our phone, and I was so popular I had no text messages and one voicemail. <laughs> that's what I had. And the voicemail was from an old family friend of ours, a guy named Mark um, my cell phone used to be my dad's cell phone number. Um, I kind of inherited it slash stole the number from him and so when, when he got a new phone. And so Mark was calling what he thought was my dad, but was really my number. And this is what it said. Hey, Hutch, my dad, heard about Amy, my mom, praying for you guys. If you need anything, we will be there ASAP. Bye. 
I have no idea what's going on at this point. I'm freaking out. I've just been on my honeymoon. I landed. My wife of seven days is next to me going, what's going on? Like, kind of happy. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm frantically trying to call my dad. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. We get into customs. Customs is screaming at me to turn off my phone, threatening to arrest me. It was just nuts. So I turn off my phone. An hour and a half later out of customs, I finally get a hold of my dad. My dad answers and goes, hey, how was Jamaica? I'm like, good. What happened? <laughs> and come to find out, long story short, my mom basically had a massive heart attack. One of the chambers in her hearts just decided to stop firing. It just didn't, it was, it just decided, it was done. Um, she passed out, had to be air flighted, crazy story. She was in the hospital. And my dad thought it was a great idea to not give that information to us to ruin our honeymoon. Today, I'm very thankful he made that decision. In that moment, not so much. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to know this. Um, my mom's here today. She did great. They ended up, with, when they figured out what it was, they put a pacemaker in and it fixed. Look, here's what's going on. My mom's body, she was all out. She was dancing, she was having a blast, she was celebrating, she was doing things, but her all-in was reeling. It was about ready to explode, like literally about ready to stop working and shut down the all-in and the all-out. I think we can very quickly do this in worship. We can be all-out for Jesus. Do the right things, show up to church, be a part of all the right things, give, do everything to a T and be the checklist, but on the inside, we're ready to like fall apart. We're not spending time with God chasing after his heart. We're not learning the things of him and working on the inside to show who he is. We look good on the inside, on the outside, but man, on the inside, eh. We're really good at loving people, but that whole spending time with God thing and getting to know him, not so much. Here's the thing, my mom with her heart, when they put that pacemaker in, her heart's become stronger and she's able to work at it. And it got better to the point where her all out and all in were re-centered and working together. And it's the same true for the believer or the person that tends to be more all out. You can work on your all in. It's not sitting there being like, spend time. Here's some ways that you might be able to do it. Man, spend time with, with Christ in the word. Not as a checklist like read my Bible. But try this, this simple prayer beforehand. God, as I'm reading this, help me to learn more about your heart so I can know who you are. Or, or maybe the reason you're all in is messing up because there's something there, some sort of bad thing that you're wanting to hold back from God that you don't want to talk to him about it. He's a loving God that's sitting here and goes, I'm here, let's talk. And the all-in, the recentering of our emotions and our hearts and the reason why can be recentered back to where God wants true and proper worship to be. So if, that's, if we tend to be a pendulum swing one way, what about the other way? What if we're a person who is way, way more all-in than we're all-out? Our, our, our head's in the game, but our hands and feet aren't. Or the, the, the big think person. I had a professor in, in school that used to call these people the big heads. They know all the stuff. They know their Bible from A to Zeta. They know all the way through. They can, even, they can even tell you every book of the Bible in order without anyone telling them. I mean, they're a person, they know everything. And that's not a bad thing, but that's what they become known for as the person who sits back and points out what they should do. And they know the word, and they know what God wants, but they're not doing it. Um, another way to say this, when I was in high school, I played soccer. Um, we were a small school, and we weren't very good, but it was fun. I loved the game of soccer. I loved playing it. And my junior year, we had a transfer from a kid transferring to our school from South America. Now, if you know anything about South Americans and soccer, usually that's a really, really good combination. You might have heard of guys like Pele, Ronaldo. I mean, you could, I could probably throw out other names. Um, Messi. There's a bunch of really good names from South America. And so, like, we were stoked. We're like, we're going to go from okay to a little bit better than okay with our All-American. Like, we were, we were jazzed. Um, and he's, he's up there, we're talking to him. He was from Paraguay, and we were really creative with nicknames. So his nickname was 
Paraguay. Um, and so Paraguay was telling us all about, like, he was showing us the trophies that he had won. He was talking about the Cruyff and all these different soccer moves. And we're like, dude, this is, yes, like, this guy knows it. This is great. And then we got out to the first day of practice. Um, we were such a small school, we didn't have tryouts. You just made the team by showing up. So he made the team. Um, and so he showed up and we're like, all right, man, he plays defender. Sweet, plays left defender. So we put the ball down, like, all right, your turn, um, Paraguay, kick it. And this is what he does. He goes, okay, I got it, guys. And we were like, are you kidding me? Like, he just told us that he won trophies in South America, which I'm sure is better than North American soccer in small Cedarville, Ohio. Come to find out that he wasn't the left defender, he was the backup to the left defender on the left bench. Like, he, he was not that great at the game. He was all in. He knew the game. He could talk about it. He could talk everything about it. His heart loved the game. But when it came to playing the game and doing the game, not so good. Uh, junior year, he ended up sitting the bench most of the year. By the end of, he, um, by the next year, he worked his tail end off all year, and he was a contributing factor to the team the following year as a good player. He worked hard at it to correct his all-out to match his all-in. Here's the thing, for those of us that tend to be more all-in than all-out, it's like the person who's like, dude, you should come to church. They're like, yeah, that's awesome, what do you do there? Dude, you should come to church, man. It's the person who can talk the big game. Oh, yeah, scripture, I know all about, dude, I can quote all this from memory, and that, those are good things, but that becomes all you're about. Your heart and your emotion, you love God, but your neighbor, oh man, that's the, you've never met my neighbor. That annoying person over there, eh, I know God says to love him, but he's never met my neighbor. Or the generosity, oh man, yeah, I love God, but uh, generosity, eh, that's a little tough for me. You're really, really good at the heart stuff, the loving God, the knowing your Bible, all those pieces, but when it comes to loving people and actually doing the things that are living representations of who God is, those are put on the shelf. Those aren't for me. And I think that when we pendulum swing that way, what God's saying is like, no, 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 no. Your all out needs to match your all in. They need to work together. So if that's a person that you're like, man, I identify with that. And here's just some ways that maybe you can help work on trying to bring that pendulum back to the middle. Um, maybe start to just like join a life group. Check out a life group. That may sound weird, like, try it. This, one of the concepts in scripture they talk about is biblical community. The idea of coming together to talk about the things of God and seeking after what's God's best and then living it out in relationship with one another. Try it. Just one time. Just, just, I challenge you, just once. Um, I was talking with a guy last week who was like, hey, we've tried several different life groups and we, there's never seems to be room. We just started three new life groups. Like, there's room. Like, we would love to have you be a part of it. Come check it out. Just try it one time and start to practice the things that you already know. Or um, give generosity a try. Or another one, on um, November 17th, that insert in your program you were given to worship night, this, that night itself is going to be a way that we're going to try to practice all out and all in together. So we're going to sing the things of God, we're going to work on our heart, we're going to pray, we're going to work on our motivations, but we also want to physically give to a ministry in the area with these lists. Um, Oasis of Hope reached out to us and they were like, hey, we reached out to them and they are like, we have this massive lead, in fact, needs list. In fact, in the last week, that needs list doubled. And with the holidays coming, they have a lot of needs and they need help. And they are reaching out to people who call them the church going like, help us. And we want to bless literally the socks off of them. We want to give back to them, not out of a, oh sweet, look what Grace Church did, as a, here's what God wants to do so we can reach people to know who Jesus is. 
And so we're asking, bring that stuff. This is a great way to practice the all-out, all-in together and realign the all-out back to the all-in. I encourage you, just come check it out. It's going to be an awesome time. So, so here's the thing. So if, at times, we can pendulum swing way towards the all-out or way towards the all-in, and we want to recenter ourselves. God is like, this is where I want you to be. I want the body to come back together and work the way it's supposed to. And the beauty of it is, this isn't like a, I'm stuck in one side or the other. You can work at both and recenter it back to what God's best is. Figure out what it is so that way in our worship and what we do in our lives, our actions, our motivations, that they come aligned together and point towards that we actually love Christ. And so you may be sitting here going like, okay, I get that. That's what Paul talks about in Romans. He's saying like, this is true and proper worship, but dude, why should I do that? Why should I go be all out, all in? I can't answer that for you, but I can answer it for me. Um, For me, it's like I'm all out, all in because he was all out, all in about me first. He loved me enough that he was all in and all out, that he created man, he created me. We talk about this story, that the gospel of Jesus or the good news. And here's the thing, like he was all in. God created us. He all out created us and he had a relationship. We were all out, all in together and we fractured that relationship. We broke it. We screwed up. We messed up. And he fractured. And God could have very easily said, I'm all in. I love you guys, but you screwed up. You're on your own. He could have been just all in and separated and said, nope, you're not worth it. But instead, what he did is said, man, I love you enough that I'm going to be all out. I'm going to show you my heart, and I'm going to love you by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who was fully God, fully man, who lived a perfect life, who was all the all-out representation and all-in representation of God, saying that I love you, died a death that we deserve, took the punishment, rose three days later and said, I want you to be all-out, all-in because I'm all-out, all-in about you. And so why am I all-in? Because he's all-out, all-in about me. His heart and his actions show that he loves me. And so he's asking me, if that's the case, are you willing to be all-out, all-in for the things that I am? Are you willing to love me and love people? Are you willing to go and make disciples? Do these things that show that we're all out, all in about what he is. Uh, Maybe as we're trying to figure this out, I just got a couple questions I want to land with, and the first one is this. Am I just all out or all in when it comes to my relationship with Christ? Am I just all out or all in? When When I stop and I really stop to think about my life and I look at that pendulum, which way on the pendulum do I tend to lean towards? If I was to really diagnose which one am I really good at, which one, and, and maybe start to think about how can I recenter myself back to where both are working in tandem. And the second question is this, am I even all out, all in, or what am I all out, all in for? Maybe you're sitting there going like, yeah, man, that Christ thing, that's not for me. But when you stop to think about it, the thing that your heart and your emotions are all about or your actions show, what is it that you're all out, all in for? The job? family, sports, things that are good but may misalign from what God's best is. Here's the thing, like I just said, those things are good. They're not terrible. (laughs) They're not bad. But those things can be great indicators to show us what we're all out on for. So this week being the first week in the conversation, I'm gonna invite the band up. And and this week being the first week of the conversation, um, we're gonna go over the next three weeks, we're gonna have three different people speak. So with this being a worship series, one of the things that we didn't want to do is have the worship guys talk about worships because they're the worship experts. So Seth 
and myself are on staff in like the creative arts, but we also lead worship. We didn't want it to be them because worship is an all of us thing. We all do it. So we're gonna have three different people speak on three different areas. Tony's gonna speak one week, Seth's gonna speak one week, and well, you're gonna have to wait to find out who the third one is. It's, it's, gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be fun, that's all I gotta say. You're gonna have to wait to come find out. And this is what we're gonna do over the next three weeks. We're gonna be looking at a few, a four different questions, and these are the four questions. Where am I all out in finances, abilities, and time? And where am I all in in terms of finances, abilities, and time? Where am I all out, and where am I all in? And we're gonna start to diagnose and look at these different things and see what they have to say about what it is we worship. The next question is this. Um, what is God's best in terms of finances, abilities, and times? What is the thing that we, when we start to figure out, this is what I'm all out on, what is God saying is the best way to look at this, and how do we diagnose what it is? And the fourth question is this. How do I, how do I make God's vision of all out, all in, my vision of all out, all in? So what am I all out, all in about? What is God's best? And then how do I realign myself to be all out, all in for the things that God wants? We're gonna be looking at these things over the next three weeks because here's my hope. My hope is that in this series we realize we all worship something. We all worship something. And even though we worship something, we wanna figure out what it is that thing we worship, figure out what is God's best and how do we realign ourselves to it. I'm excited about it. I hope you are. And it's gonna be a great time. You'll have to come check it out over the next three weeks. Let's pray. God, you are a, um, a great God. A God that loves us with an all-out, all-in kind of love, a love that would be willing to not just say that you love us, but show it. Um, and God, I, I'm thankful for those of us that call ourselves Christ followers, that we get the opportunity to do that through song some weeks. And, and I know, it's, God, that's not the only way to worship you. What we do during the week is, is just as important. But God, the way that we sing and what we sing about, we get to learn about who you are. And our hearts get to be challenged, but God, I'm thankful that over history there have been people like Paul who have been all out, all in for you. God, I pray as we go through this series that we're able to figure out what it is we're all out, all in for, and that we can seek after you and figure out the things that are important to you. God, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for Jesus, your son. His name we pray, amen.